Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit, and they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Stop needing things from me. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. I'm sorry I goofed on your books because you're dead on. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. We deserve a desk that just has our stuff on it that nobody touches. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. I'm about to do the dance of anger. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today, guys, we would really like to know, can we have our lives back? (laughs) Can we have our houses back? So we have a quick request for the universe. We would like everything back, please. Yes. Yes. Just that quiet house. Like just this morning as I was getting ready, like booking up a couple things for this episode, I could hear the dink, dink. Dink, 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 dink of my spouse aggressively eating cereal in the kitchen. Oh, I could not figure out what the noise was, but I knew it was horrible. You know that like cereal spoon I have actually in the past. That was one of my tips for today. You know what? I'm just going to come in hot with a tip. Plastic spoons. They have saved my marriage at times. You know, I hate plastic more than anything, but I might have to get like two because listen, I can't complain. My husband is making breakfast for the kids in the morning. What a guy. But he gets a bowl of porcelain. It's not porcelain, but, you know, just like a a bowl. Yeah. Like a crate and barrel bowl. Yeah. And then he gets a fork and he starts going with those eggs. And you would think he was like (laughs) Chef Antoine at Galois. Like he's like, like stirring these (laughs) eggs as if like his life depended on it. And as if he was on a cooking show called like the world's best egg stirrer. The world's loudest egg stirrer. And 20 seconds in, I'm like, I think they're stirred already. And he just looks at me like, what kind of monster would yell at me while I'm making my children breakfast, but it's me, Amy. It's me. The Chef Antoine Forky bowl tinging will be the end of me. Yes. And we just like, we were told that there would be times when we didn't have to hear that, when we wouldn't have to get the like, hey, you got a quick sec? Let's talk about, you know, how much I (laughs) don't want to do this thing I have to do for work. Let me interrupt you with the thing you have to do for work so I can tell you how much I don't want to do this other thing. And what's for lunch? Right. And I will also say that, like, it's very cumulative. Like, this is the straw that broke the camel's back. Like, yes. The fact that my husband is in my face making small noises all day, every day 
has made the fork chef Antoine number much more irritating mm-hmm. to me. Yes, yes. Back in the day, I think I would have walked in full of love and been like, look at my man feeding our offspring. And now I'm like, I murder you. Soon there will be a prestige podcast called The Egg Murders. <laughs> I just listened to an audiobook of The Dance of Anger by Harriet Lerner. And like, we're dancing. I have a hilarious story about that book. My mom was a family therapist. And so she had all of the dance books on the shelf at my home. And when we saw these in high school, we thought it was the dumbest thing we'd ever see. The dance of anger, the dance of intimacy. And so when one of us got angry, we would begin to perform the dance of anger as we understood it. And sometimes we would just yell, I'm about to do the dance of anger. They are a little bit dated, you know, in their sort of assumptions. And yet the underlying, the underpinnings of them are really great. And I recommend them. And Harriet Lerner is still around. So we should maybe try to have her on the show. That would be the fulfillment of a very strange aspect of my life. But the book, the book is about how anger in relationships goes through very predictable patterns. There's a pattern. There's a dance that you engage in with your mate, with your kids, with your mom, you know, whatever it is, and that you need to recognize the dance that you do for what it is so you can start to change the choreography. But it's one of these like hit you over the head with something obvious. Yes. The thing about the spoon in the bowl is that if you're feeling anger about something, which is I don't have space. I don't have time. I don't have a second to myself. People's needs are, you know, all over me constantly. Can I have my life back? If you're swallowing your anger about that, it doesn't go away. It just will come out in some random weird place. Not wrong, Harriet. You're not wrong. I'm sorry I goofed on your books because you're dead on with that So if you're having a bad week at work, you're going to yell at your kids. If you're slowly swallowing this rage of like, I can't take everybody home all the time making messes 18 times a day, you are going to lose it over the fork in the bowl. Let's back up a step because where we came to this topic was we have had so many people on our Facebook group and we have had so many conversations between the two of us of like, okay, we're not out of this thing. And now suddenly it's like, well, maybe working from home is the future. And you're like, wait, no one asked me my opinion on this. (laughs) One of our listeners said, I love my husband, but I loved him a lot more when he worked at his office, three exclamation points. She said, I feel so badly typing this, but the truth is I need to turn my attitude around because I know things are not likely to change as far as him working from home. But let's be honest, he's driving her crazy. Yes. Well, okay. Same. I'm going to give you some statistics that won't make you feel better. According to a survey from Enterprise Technology Research, good friends of ours here at the podcast. Real Amy's bestie, <laughs> let's be honest. They say uh, the percentage of workers who will decide they're going to permanently work from home or who their employers will decide that is expected to double by the end of this year. Like, do you know, Twitter and a lot of Google, different things like that have been announcing like, you know what? We're done. Work from home forever if you want to. Can you imagine getting that press release and being like, no, I have a very weird pandemic experience, which is that my husband, he's worked from home since we have known each other, basically. And he got an office during the pandemic. And I had always said, like, my husband works from home, but it's fine. It doesn't bother me. I love it when he goes to the office. Like, I didn't even realize that it was bothering me. I love 
going to the office and I've never had an office, you know, but like my spouse, I've been saying like, if you don't start going to your office, I'm going to start going to your office. Cause I have like, I can swipe in and get me a quiet room with nobody needing anything, including the dog. Like just this morning, I get the kids out to school. The egg making has been completed. You know, my husband goes to get on his nine o'clock call. Okay. Finally, some time for quiet, some time to get ready for this episode. And then like the dog, the dog is like at my ankles crying. He's like, hi friend. I need you. Yeah. Marshmallow is like, looks like you're a little bored. <laughs> How about a walk? How would you pet me? And I just was like, stop, not you too. I can't take it. Stop needing things from me. People who are always around. Well, it's funny because sometimes when my husband travels now, I do go to his office and I use it because it's just like a little local yeah. place. But just a change of scenery is so good. And I feel like when you work from yeah, the old story was like work from home. It's the dream. Stay in your pajamas. Eat drink your coffee. You don't have to commute. That's great. But now as we get deeper into this, like this may never end. I feel like we're all sort of seeing the downsides of working from home, especially two spouses working from home. Yes. Especially we actually have a downstairs kind of like it's a garage kind of thing, but it's kind of an office. You know what I mean? So my husband has his own space, but I'm kind of like, I guess I'll set up my equipment here on the side of the kitchen counter and record a podcast. You know, it's not like, yeah, it's not really space that was meant to be doing this in. Yeah. Through the pandemic, most of it, like the true, like everybody zooming from home, my kids each have their own rooms. We're very lucky in that way. So the three kids were zooming from into school from their rooms. Then we live in a very open plan apartment. So my husband had like the rest of the house, like anything that wasn't a bedroom door. And so I was in our bedroom, you know, working on the podcast, doing whatever I had to do. But it's our bedroom. And my spouse is coming in or out like it's his room. He needs a sweater. He forgot his, you know, pen, whatever, in and out constantly. And, you know, throwing socks on the floor, whatever. And it's my workspace. I want to say I have never seen Amy's husband shirtless before the pandemic. And since the <laughs> pandemic started, I have seen Amy's husband shirtless like 19 different times oh my because God. she's recording in the bedroom and he's like getting out of the shower. And I'm like, honey, you better have some pants on because it's 9 a.m. and I'm not ready for this. Did I mention if he has like a free 90 seconds he spends it working out and then needing to change his shirt before his next call? Yeah. So I mean, you don't have to tell me. I have seen. And let me tell you, the working out is going great. Yeah. He's in good shape. And I have, I also work in the bedroom now and it's right. I finally had to buy a little screen because I would, we would literally be about to have a guest on and I'm like, oh my God, I have to make my bed. And like, there's four piles of laundry behind my head and people can't see that I live like this because it's humiliating. I have just gotten a lot happier in the last couple of weeks. And I'll tell you guys, I've moved into one of my kids' bedrooms because my oldest kid went to college. Yes. And it was so funny as we were dropping him off. He's like, oh, my room. He actually said, like, my room, you're going to walk by it. You're probably going to feel sad. And I was like, uh. You're like, no, I'm not. I'm going to start a podcasting empire in it. And now instead of seeing Amy's shirtless husband, I see a great amount of sports memorabilia in the back. Yeah. New York Knicks pillows and things like that. Yeah. Because I don't want to like... I don't want him to feel bad when he comes home that I've taken over his room, but I've taken over his room. And let me tell you, the or maybe I don't have to tell you, like the ability to leave my stuff out the way I want it and not have it moved and not have a t-shirt thrown on top of it. It's my space and things get to stay this way until 
I come back and when I'm in here with the door closed, I'm in here with the door closed. Like it used to be like my only indicator was, you know, a pair of headphones or something like having my own space is absolutely crucial to my well-being. And you are living a room of one's own, Amy. Yeah. Living it. I'm living a room. Yeah. I wanted to talk about that. I looked up a room of one's own is uh, an essay that Virginia Woolf wrote almost 100 years ago. She wrote it in 1929. I thought it was a novel. It's an essay. It's a novella. Yeah, well, it's not a novella because it's not fiction, but it's a very long, it's a very short nonfiction book or a very long essay. Okay. You say short book, I say long essay. It's a couple of different lectures that she gave, including at Radcliffe College and stuff in the 20s, and then she made it into a book. But the whole point of it is that she says a woman must have money and a room of her own if she is to write fiction. So she was looking at it pretty specifically from that lens. But she's right. We need space. And maybe you don't have four walls and a door that closes, but we need to create that space for ourselves. And I think there's reasons we don't do it. And I think there's reasons we need to do it and get creative about it. And that's what I wanted to talk about. And just to translate that, you need a room of one's own in order to function and be mentally healthy. Like you're not necessarily in there writing a book, like having a dedicated space. This is a conversation that comes up on the Facebook page. And it's something that I don't hear people talking that much about. I remember one of our listeners talking about sewing. And during the pandemic, it's like now my sewing is in the corner of my house, like on a table that sometimes people eat at. And I really feel this huge loss of like, and this thing of like, your space and kind of, and it echoes this feeling of like your needs are the least important in the house. Your desires are the most, you know, mockable and unimportant in the house. Yes. The most accommodatable. Yes. There's huge depth to that beyond just like, oh, I had to give up my sewing room. It's like, I think so many of us feel pushed aside, less than, least important, our needs, everyone else's needs come first. And that the metaphor of like, you know, our podcasting stuff being pushed aside, someone else's sewing room being pushed aside is really deep. Yeah, I agree. Let's take a break. When we come back, I'm going to give you a quote about this that I think really unpacks this. Love it. Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew And believe it or not, this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro (laughs) aunt at this point. Our family has seen a lot of babies. And as soon as they start standing or walking, I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360 degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... 
Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. So Scarlett Brown, she studies sort of workplace equity and other issues like that. She wrote an essay before the pandemic that I found called Men's Room, Why Space is a Feminist Issue. And she talks about how it's less about like, there's a man cave in my house, but there isn't a she shed. And more about having women should have a physical space that they can exist in without it being encroached upon. And she thought that this was a huge issue for women before the pandemic. It requires a much bigger cultural shift to change society in a way that doesn't encourage men to occupy space while women accommodate that. It's so true. I teach a class that's like a personal presentation. It's basically a public speaking class. And one of the exercises we do is a physical exercise about getting as small as possible and then getting as large as possible. And then people in the room, as we do that exercise, kind of describe the person they're seeing at every level. Hmm. And when you turn inward and you hold your body tightly, like picture your whole, your shoulders are concave and you're turned inward. It's like, that's a shy person. And often people say, even if it's a man doing the exercise, that's a frightened woman. Ooh. Like this very small space person. Always when there is someone with their legs spread and their shoulders thrown back and they're arms behind them, like the most open posture you can picture. People are like, that's a banker. And they always say that's a man. Always. Wow. Right. Man spreading. It's called that for a reason. And that's it. It's become this whole joke of like man spreading, but like just the amount of space you allow yourself to take up on earth is a really interesting thing. And I love that exercise because it really makes people think about like, the amount of space they take up and rounding your shoulders and taking up a very small amount of space. The emotions connected to that are like anxiety, depression, fear. And I think that, you know, you can get very woo woo and tweet tweet with all of it. But at the same time, it is worth connecting, allowing myself to hold space. It's important. It's useful. It's definitive about a lot of important things. I think we get a lot of messages that we're supposed to accommodate 
like uh, sometimes for our own safety, but sometimes just, as you said, like our stuff can come last. Our passion project can come last. Our, you know, side hustle is a side hustle. It's not the main thing where everything else can take up more space. And then there's also this physical thing, right, that I don't really deserve. My kids need a room to Zoom from from school. They can't be in, in the, you know, in a corner of the kitchen. And my spouse can't because they, like, have the job with the health care for my family. So I'm just going to, you know, set up this little... <laughs> tray table that I'm going to break down every night and put everything away so that I don't have any continuity because that's all I'm allowed. Everybody else's stuff is more important. It's super interesting to me how we define our spaces. It feeds a lot of like how we feel about ourselves and how we feel about the roles we hold in our household. Super interesting. And you know, the other part of this that's coming into it now is that for a lot of us, at least in my house, you can go back to work. There's more of a judgment thing, right? It isn't Twitter saying work from home forever. Or it isn't the hospital saying you were supposed to be back at work three weeks ago. It's more of a like, eh, I kind of like this. And we're being met. If I guess I'm speaking more specifically to the people listening who are the stay at home parent, or at least most of the time, or the default parent. We're sort of like, oh, this doesn't work. This isn't how it's supposed to be. Whereas for the parent that was out of the house all the time and is now home all the time, they're sort of like, I kind of like this. I don't see a reason to, right? We have a listener who says, my spouse is finally back almost every day, all day. But then he said he might work from home the days our middle child is at preschool. I could have spontaneously combusted when he said that. (laughs) This person's just sort of musing aloud, like, yeah, this works for me. And so I think that's another part of the problem. Like, this is working pretty well for everybody else. They kind of like making eggs whenever they want to. Yeah, and I think that that's important to, like, name and talk about. When the pandemic first started, my husband, who already worked from home, was like, no big deal. Guess I still work from home. And would get up and get his coffee and his little breakfast and go downstairs and get to work. As I figured out, like, before they set up any school stuff, what am I doing with the kids all day? We can't go anywhere. And there, I've got three kids who at the time were, like, 7 to 11 home. And then when school started, like... I have to educate three kids. One of my kids, you know, does not learn well via Zoom. Two of my kids, really. And (laughs) none of our kids, really. (laughs) Yeah, none of our kids. But I mean, one of my kids really struggles. And so I'm running from room to room. And I finally had to sit down with my husband and say, you know, we have to make a huge change. And God bless him. He was super open to it. But That was so severe that we couldn't stop the conversation. And I do think that we're all like riding a boat downstream with this stuff right now. And it is important when your husband says, you know what? I love working from home to say, so when you work from home, if I'm making you breakfast and bringing you lunch, and then I'm going down at the end of the day to clean up your dishes. And then when I need help, you're not around like... This is what working from home is for you, and this is what it is for me. And so either we fix the pressure points or you don't work from home anymore, you know? I mean, because I think it can, for the spouse who is working, feel like less pressure. And I do know a lot of people, men and women in my town, I live in a commuter town, so it's 50 minutes maybe to their office for a lot of people, who are thrilled to not have to go back to that. And that seems really reasonable to me. Yeah, "Yeah, that does seem like it really stinks, like getting on a train and for two hours of your day. But you can't just ease into like, oh, we're working at home now because it's a completely different animal. We had kids when my husband started working from home 
And I found there was a tremendous amount of agitation for me just being in the house washing dishes while he, quote, wasn't helping because he was working. But we had to have a whole discussion of like, you need to be out of sight. You need to change your clothes. Like if he's walking around his house in pajamas while I'm working, I am going to have a lizard brain instinct of I'm going to murder yes. you. Don't make me watch this. Don't make me watch this. Because I don't really see behind the curtain that he's then in very stressful meetings and doing his stressful things. Like you only see your husband walking by shirtless and dropping a shirt on your podcasting equipment. Like right. you have to define these parameters because otherwise it's murder time. It's dateline time. Just last night, I'm cleaning up after dinner. Everybody, you know, finishes eating. Wolf starts to walk away. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, come on. Everybody has to pitch in because we were behind schedule for dinner because there was a soccer game. Not I, said the high school junior. I have too much homework plus SAT prep. Not I, said the eighth grader. I'm not actually feeling well. Not I, said my spouse. I have a bunch of emails I have to do right now. So I start cleaning up. And as you say, like my husband was still sitting at the kitchen table, like click, 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 click. But as I go over to finish cleaning the plates, maybe (gasps) 10 minutes later, Oh, no, this is going to go badly. He's scrolling. He's scrolling Forbes.com. And I'm like, are you just screwing around in your computer right now? (laughs) Because I'm doing all the cleanup. And he was like, yeah, just for a minute. Just somebody sent me something. I'm like, "Okay." And you know what? It was a fine moment because we made eye contact. He's like, I'm sorry. Thank you so much for cleaning up dinner. That was really, you know, that really helped. But just to be acknowledged, we had a tacit agreement that you had something so important to do that I'm going to clean up dinner, even though I have plenty to do myself. That's as much on me as on him, though, right? No, it's more on him than on you. I also think there's time for pushback that says, let's get out of your particular situation that I don't know the parameters of. And like, we're not talking about you. Right. I think writ large, I often have to say to my husband, I understand that is a crisis, but if there is going to be time that you're scrolling Facebook at any time during today, you can give me 10 minutes to help me clean up the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The definition of busy when there's dishes to be done is different than the definition of busy when there's a baseball final on. You know what I mean? Right. And I have started naming and shaming on that subject. Like, okay, I get that we're all busy, but five of us cleaning the kitchen takes 10 minutes and one of us cleaning the kitchen takes an hour. Absolutely. And I bet you're going to find 10 free minutes in your night. So let's use them to help me. Yeah. I don't do it every time. I try to be generous with my time, but I have started pushing back on this idea of like, I'm too busy, so let the maid do it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm the maid and I don't like it. And I'm busy, right? And I have things I want to do. I don't know. I bet. And like, listen, if you're sick, you're excused. If you're having the worst night of your year, you're excused, you know? But you can't have the worst night and the busiest night and the sickest night every night. That's not allowed. Because then I pick up the slack. And again, I'm just pouring into the bucket of resentment about how much I want all of you to move out and let me live in Virginia Wolf's room. The other part about this that is just true is that the status quo, if that's the status quo, right, that I'm always too busy every night because mom will do it because mom always does it. There's no reason for anybody else to change that. There's no reason for anybody else to speak up about that because it works for them to have the space they need, the time they need for you to accommodate and them to just take what they want and need. Nobody else is going to have the hard conversation but you. And to be fair... 
my mom, the therapist, would say no one's in a situation where they're not getting exactly what they need. Okay. Uh huh. It works for us too, to some degree, to be like, I'll do it. I take care of everything. That's what I do. And also, I'm nurturing and I like looking out for my people. Like, it works for us in a certain way. We need it in a certain way, but maybe it doesn't work for us, you know? And so, I think that it's always good to examine, like, I am getting tired of always being this person. I understand that I do it because it feeds me in a very specific way, but I want to start getting my food in a more healthier way for me and therefore... And then this has to be hard and fast. I'm sure that even maybe that night your husband had things he needed to get to and then he clicked on something. I get it. Like, as we all do, you move from this super important thing to checking Facebook pretty quickly, with almost without realizing you're doing it. But I do think like we keep saying don't miss the lessons of the pandemic. And one of them is like, this is a good time for a reset on some things. I want to read to you. Anna Lynn had some ideas around this, one of our listeners. She says her husband started working from home six years ago, completely unrelated to the pandemic, and they had to set some ground rules. And she said, these rules didn't happen until I was very honest about how hard things were for me. My spouse had no idea how much he was affecting my day being around all the time in a way that he hadn't been before. So they set some ground rules. I love these ground rules. The first one was he had to take a pitcher of water and pack his snacks for the day. I love that rule. So smart. Because <laughs> her kids were little. She said he was completely interrupting the flow I had going with the kids so often I couldn't get anything done ever. So good. Yeah. So good. Annalyn, you're a genius. Yep. Yep. And then the second one was the spouse could complain about work at dinner and only dinner. The rest of the day, if we talked, we could only talk about literally anything else. I have another rule because I went through exactly the same situation and it was the like steam coming. I had three kids like under six and my husband would be like walking by in his basic pajamas like to get something. And I would just be like, you have to help me. I'm drowning. I'm drowning. And he was like, to me, cruising by on like the party boat, like with rum in his hand. And I was like on a raft with the three kids drowning. And I did say, you know, you've got to set work hours. And then he came back at me, to be fair. And he said, I will give you one a time during the day when I am available to like change light bulbs, help with stuff. Because then he was home and I would, you know, knock, knock, knock. The light's out in the kitchen. Would you just come change it real quick? Mm. Knock, knock, knock. There's something weird with the front door. It doesn't seem to be latching. Would you just come look at it real quick? And for him... In the same way, like he's an engineer and we call it the tunnel, like he digs down in that tunnel and he's in the middle of some machine in his mind. And for me to knock and be like the light bulbs out in the kitchen, not great. Yeah. And so right, he's getting the bends being brought up to the surface. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm like ripping him out of the tunnel and he's like, who am I? Where am I? Right, right. And so I think it's very important to like have the big conversations around this. Let's talk about some ways to do that when we get back. More and more, you hear about the importance of electrolytes as part of staying hydrated because you need the sodium and the potassium, not just the water. And whether you're looking to hydrate during a workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, 7 essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing and without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. They're little packets you can just grab and take with you to mix into your water bottle on the go. My favorite flavor so far, Amy, gotta be the cherry pomegranate. 
Interesting. My high schooler likes the lemon lime, and she keeps a few handy in her backpack for days that she has practiced after school. These electrolytes have the sodium and the potassium that you need to go with it in the optimal ratio for daily hydration. Visit sportsresearch.com and use code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's sportsresearch, S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate electrolytes order. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use fresh to get $100 off your lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. And now, things kids will interrupt you with after you've told them, don't interrupt me unless it's really important. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. I know you told me not to bother you. What's for dinner? Kaz making a really weird face. Mom, what did you do with my science homework? Mom, his stuff is on my bed. Tell him to move it. When you see what happened in the living room, just know... I didn't do anything. What's for dessert after dinner? My PlayStation isn't working. Mom, you need to watch the new Spider-Man No Way Home trailer. Did you know that female platypus sweats milk to feed their young? Mom, does this thing on my foot look weird? This has been Things Kids Will Interrupt You With After You've Told Them, Don't Interrupt Me Unless It's Really Important. Mom. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. Mom. 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 All right, Amy, it's part three. We're talking about what works. What do you got? Okay. Yeah, I have some ideas. Carving out the space, literally. One listener said that her mother, who's an artist, who usually works outside the home at a studio but could not work during the pandemic, created a studio in the basement of her home and made everybody knock before entering the basement. Yeah. And I also think even like my husband cutely for maybe Christmas bought me a little um, like a radio thing that says on the air, like it's a little neon sign like you would have in a radio station. So it's cute. So cute to put outside of my office when we were recording. And that's like a radio state. And it's not we're not soundproofed or anything, but it basically means like, hey, mom's recording right now. Like, don't bother her. Don't this and that. Then, of course, because of the pandemic, for stupid reasons, I had to move out of that office. And now I work in my bedroom. So it's like it doesn't work anymore. (laughs) But I also think I think what we're coming to in general is parameters and rules and discussions are the you got to stop the pain before you're in it because you're always going to be like, I am going to 
scream at you if you're walking by shirtless while I'm recording or if you're walking by in your pajamas while I'm drowning with my three kids. So you have to back way up from that and say, so here's what's not working. And knocking while I'm recording is not working. And also, I mean, Amy, talk about I've seen her husband shirtless. I have three kids who I'm like, do not interrupt us unless it is incredibly important. And how many times have we been on with like a guest, usually like the more high profile guest, it's like the Murphy's law, you know, and my kid just walks right in here. This one told me I couldn't this. And I'm like, what part of this is an emergency? You fool. Yeah. And so it's nice to say, and I might have to say, Mostly our guests know that we're moms and they're fine with it. And it's usually a laugh moment. But if I was doing a really serious interview where I did not want that to happen, I might have to say to my husband, you have to take noon to one off or like, tell me a time that you can take off where you can guard my door, you know, because or if I was doing something for TV or something, because I think we just skip the conversations and then we live in the grumpiness of the reality. I think it occurs to me as you're saying this, one other thing that I will try that I haven't done enough of in the past is during these days where my spouse and I are both at home and we're both trying to get a lot done and we interrupt each other. I mean, how dare he interrupt me to say like, hey, how's it going? Like he's being a nice guy. I'm just finally concentrating on something. You need to say like, let's have lunch at one. Let's take the dog for a walk at four, you know, whatever, and save the stuff for that. I mean, I actually do literally save up stuff to next time I have my husband's full attention, ask him about this, ask him about Columbus Day weekend, whatever it is. And I keep the list rather than interrupt him in the moment and sort of setting up time for that walk is good for your sanity and your ability to concentrate and your space and your room of one's own. And also, obviously, it's good for your marriage to not have this sort of low level annoyance to carve out time and space for just the two of you to talk about whatever you feel like talking about. It's a good reminder for me, honestly, because I'm more of the problem child with that of like, Hey, what about this? Hey, what about this? Hey, can we go this weekend? And and I bother my husband with a million things all day. I should do a back to one on like, let's have half an hour before we start watching our prestige drama at night where we just go through the list of questions and I could just write them all on one pad rather than calling him 12 times a day. And I think it's important to have both, right? Like the business meeting, the like who's taking Tommy to soccer next Tuesday and the, so how's it going? Right? So How's that work thing? <laughs> oh, really? I have to ask how it's going? Amy, that seems like a very heavy Once list. in a while. No, it's exactly, it's really right. But I also think it's a great idea. And I don't think I would have thought about that before hearing Anna Lynn's take that putting parameters around when you're not allowed to talk about that is a good idea too. That like, yeah. And also because when you're at an office, I find this all the time that I think all day, like, I can't wait to tell someone about this. I can't wait to tell someone about this. My brain has that setting of like, I'm kind of taking it all in as like, oh, this is the story I'm going to tell later. But often later, I only tell one of those stories. But if we're together all day, it can become kind of an all day flow of like, oh, I just got off the phone. You won't believe what this woman said to me. It was so crazy. Like, (laughs) but when you're apart, a lot of those stories fall away, you know, and that It's just a good idea to put in no complaining. Once a day complaining about work is a great rule that I don't think I would have thought of. I mean, absence makes the heart grow fonder. It's true. It's a saying because it's true, right? And we're all seeing a little bit too much of our family members. And yeah, creating that sort of 
parameters around this is when we're going to talk and this is when we're not, right? Like from one to four, I'm not home and you're not home or whatever it is. Also, another way to approach this for those of us who have kids at home all the time or most of the time or kids you can't say, hey, you guys go look at screens for a while. I need a break. If your kids are too young for that is to assign each other like you take the kids out this morning. I don't care where you go. Right. Go look at a construction site. I am going to have the house to myself for two hours this morning. Or alternatively, you stay home with the kids. I'm going to leave the house and I don't even know where I'm going. It doesn't matter. It's not necessarily the dry cleaners. It's wherever I feel like going that each of you get those. And again, you have to assign it. But sort of everybody home all the time dealing with the whiny toddler is not the path to long term happiness, I don't think. We had a great version of this. I still remember it fondly. I had three kids in four years. I didn't sleep a lot. Like somebody would have a bad day. I had an infant I was breastfeeding and then the two-year-old would be up and then I would, everybody's up for the day at seven and I would be so bone tired. But Saturday mornings, my husband got up with the kids and we lived in an 800 square foot house. So I just put earplugs in. And I went back to sleep on Saturday mornings for sometimes three or four hours. And my husband's job was to keep the kids out of the house until I texted him to tell him I was awake. And he would take them out at 7 a.m. And they start. They went to Starbucks and got oatmeal. And that's what they did. And then they would walk around and they would go here. But as dark as some of the days would get where I was like, I'm never going to sleep again. I would be able to be like, no, I'm going to sleep on Saturday. Like, I'm going to sleep in on Saturday. And... Give yourself the gift of this is time. If you don't have a spouse who is responsible like that, see if you can trade with a friend. Yeah. See if you can be like every other, every Saturday, I'll take your kids. I'll have a double hard day on my Saturday. And then the other Saturday, you'll take all the kids. And then you'll have a day, four hours where you can take a nap. And then yeah, because you don't get anything done. You don't do the laundry. You don't catch up. I don't care how bad the house looks. That is your sleeping time. That's another tip I have sort of in general. I save the stuff that I can do when my kids are around for when my kids are around. Like for This is a great tip. You said it to me years ago and it it really makes a difference. I'm pretty like assiduous about it. Like I started to load the dishwasher. I had a messy kitchen yesterday. I started to load the dishwasher and I was like, "What am I doing?" Right? This is no, nobody's around. And then, you know, 3.30 when my daughter's home from school, the sort of, you know, milk and cookies time of, hey, how was your day? What's happening? She might want to talk to me. She might not. But me sort of like, you know, putting the breakfast dishes away and pulling out what's for dinner and stuff like do that when your kids are around and might want something from you anyway. Don't do it in the time you have to yourself. Spend that time you have to concentrate, the toddler's nap, whatever it is, however you want. Right? I mean, maybe it's filling out the paperwork. Maybe it's the job application. Or maybe it's, you know, looking out the window. You deserve that time. I have a tip here from a listener, too. I liked this. Sam said that they brand it in their house. It's called Alone at Home. And everybody has alone at home times and that she and her partner, you know, trade off on this where you just go close your bedroom door. You know, mommy's having alone at home right now or like it's time for you to go have some alone at home time in your room. Yeah. And I I also think it's good to build some things in. We have a my kids get takeout on Sunday lunch. That's usually what we do. We usually have a family over Sunday dinner. So Sunday lunch is takeout food and their dad takes them and it's non-optional. Everybody goes, you go. (laughs) Even if they get takeout, like, again, it's like, I know certain times of the week and it's Sunday lunch. I'm not working. That's my time to like lay in bed 
and eat chips and watch Real Housewives. Like that's my alone at home time, you know? And so I think if there are certain times during the week, you know, maybe somebody has gymnastic practice and it's like the other spouse will take you and take the other kids with them. Like mm-hmm. build in some times where you have an expectation of aloneness because this is the kind of thing where when you leave it to, it's kind of like exercising, when you leave it to like, I'll do it when I have the time or I'll do it when it's a good time for it. Spoiler alert, you're never going to do it. Right. And we deserve it, you guys. We deserve this space for our creative projects, for our own work that we are getting paid for, for our reading that book we wanted to read, for our calling our friend we really miss. These are, we deserve the space for this. We deserve the desk that just has our stuff on it that nobody touches. And so I think get curious about that. Is there a place? Is there a shelf? Is there, it reminds me of, um, speaking of shelves, it reminds me of Ma in the Little House books. You know, they moved from place to place. They lived in like a mud hut carved out of the side of a hill and she had a shelf with her china shepherdess it was the one reminder of the life that late she led that she gave up to marry a wild child that wanted to be a pioneer and always be going somewhere new he was definitely chasing the shiny object you know there's gold and then there are hills and she'd have to move but she had the china shepherdess that was on the shelf that he had built for her to give her a shelf of her own that she had her one nice thing and that was her tethered to sanity and I think it's worth doing the work and then asking and then asking again to get it. So worth it. I really enjoyed this conversation. Friends, talking about good conversations, are you listening to Toddler Purgatory? Toddler Purgatory is Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd talking about all things kids under six. It's a great podcast. Get it wherever you get podcasts. Please subscribe today. Even if you don't have little kids, go ahead and subscribe. Yeah, they're so funny, the two of them. And them. it's they have great conversations too. And so you can check them out at toddlerpurgatory.com too. And with that, guys, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now, Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how 
all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks.